So you want me to start over? That was good. In that was no, that was a good intro. <laughs> cut it up. Cut it up. So I'm I'm really excited about today's show, uh, and I wasn't until I started uh, started looking at the playlist, and then I was getting excited. So, uh, John, do you wanna do you, you wanna just get into it and uh, and kind of start teasing a little bit of what our what our theme today is? Yeah, uh, and I'm excited as well, just because our first two uh, themes weren't big passions: the guilt-free and the the '80s. Just uh, yeah, so it's nice to kind of start out in our wheelhouse on our third episode. Yeah, so this uh, episode we are doing uh, what? It, what? What are we calling the playlist? Just uh, do you want to call it? The HF Festival, or well, it'd be nice if we found one of those old school drops from our uh, our DC alternative rock station that we're kind of theming this off of. The ninety nine everywhere. WHFS, Annapolis, Tacoma I haven't found the exact one that I have in my head. I, I had so many cassette tapes recorded, um, just radio. You know, just my favorite songs. So I was always just. Yeah. Uh, listening to those tapes so a lot of these songs actually have the little you know plug the what, did we already talk about what, what to call those things like the stingers you know yeah I think I think they're just bumpers bumpers yeah just yeah. just a lot of these songs like there's a Green Day song that pretty much the, the DJ would come on on the tape of the version of the, you know that I recorded off the radio and you know his voice is embedded in the song now for me so yeah yeah, so, uh, the, you know, HFS, 99.1 WHFS was a, uh, I guess it was alternative and progressive and hard rock station uh, from the D.C. area that uh, really informed my, uh, my teen years with music. Uh, it, was, it was between what they played on the, on the station and from the festivals that they threw that were uh, called the HF Festival. Uh, it was it was a pretty good time growing up, and we were pretty fortunate to have such a station. Yeah, they went through a bunch of different, um, I guess, programming ownership kind of things. But I mean, what we're focusing on is that uh, early '90s, and then at a certain point, I mean, I, m I moved away from the area in 2003. But around that time, I think is when they switched over to a Tejano format. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was 2005. I came home from college one summer, and I was listening to HFS in the car. And then, it, like it was a Friday night at midnight, they switched to a, a Latin music network. So it was it was quite a shock. And I and I think most of the people in the area uh, have still haven't gotten over it. Yeah. You wanna kick it off, John? Yeah. My do I get to go first? Yeah, sure. All right. you're up. Well, I'm going to start out with, uh, oh, shoot. I think this was 94. I need to pull up my uh, my Wikipedia so I have all my facts straight so we don't get all those. We got slammed on Twitter last week for all the inaccuracies in our facts. So just try to try to avert that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a rabid fan base. <laughs> From our thousands of I don't know how they even heard these episodes. We didn't get them up in iTunes yet, but somehow they, they knew that we were spouting off about Australia and New Zealand mixing shit up. Yeah, but uh, Monster from R.E.M. 
came out in 94, opening track, opening single. It's a frequency, Kenneth. That's a question. Was it? I think this is the second uh, REM album that I was being being the age that I was. I had Automatic for the People and then then Monster. Yeah, I knew them just from singles on the radio. I mean, there's Shiny Happy People and Everybody Hurts and End of the World. But for some some reason, this was like, uh, this was, yeah, 94, came out September 27th, 1994. And it was kind of post. You know, Kurt Cobain's death, so it was kind of a switch in sound for them. I know that Stipe was good friends with Kurt Cobain, and I don't know, it was just kind of a grungier sound. A lot of people are pretty much done with R.E.M. If they were following them in the 80s, they were done with them by this point for sure. But this is this, this is the album that always stands alone as an album. Like, I like a lot of their singles, but um, yeah, it's a good one. What do you think... Uh he's doing today who's type yeah uh i heard an interview with him on um alec baldwin's podcast and i couldn't tell you what he's doing so it was a a compelling interview i mean it was good it was it was just kind of a retrospective kind of thing but i I didn't really get much of an idea of what he was uh doing these days i know he's he's an activist he's a uh, socially aware and he's uh, an artist i think he was talking about doing uh visual art um, painting and he's talking about collage but I mean he's he's done a lot R.E.M. had quite a few albums good long run yeah I guess so and I guess when you're when you're him you don't really need to do anything yeah you've, you've kind of worked enough made his money hey Jay yeah You taking your pants off again? Oh, did you hear that? Mm-hmm. You know what that means. Party time. No. Excellent. Dick's coming out. All right. So, uh, well, uh, I think just we'll, we'll, do, we'll do the the check-in. What are you drinking? Yeah. Sure. So we heard the zipper. What do you, what do you got? I got uh I got the founders again. All day IPA, low calorie, low alcohol. All day, all night IPA. Mm-hmm. How about you? I have I have elected to uh, stay away from the the beer tonight, and uh, I just have a small little glass of some whiskey, and I won't tell the brand of the whiskey because I don't even remember. It was a Maryland distillery that. My uh, brother-in-law gave me because he does not drink whiskey, and uh, it is not anything remarkable. So. Well, how do you not remember? You don't have the bottle handy. No, the bottle's upstairs. Oh, uh, and you already forgot from the, the walk from upstairs to where in, you are. Yeah, in my in my saloon. Mm-hmm. No, because I have my 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 little setup here in the basement, and uh, the the. Bottles upstairs, I'm downstairs, which is why I typically have my cooler bag with me. So, do you know the "What's the Frequency, Kenneth?" line? What 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 that's uh, a reference to? I do not. 
I mean, I don't, I don't either. I know it has something to do with Dan Rather, and that is, yeah. that is an amazing, amazing piece of trivia for the podcast. All right, next song. <laughs> so, if anybody knows what the, what the frequency Kenneth means, uh, go ahead and and you can comment on on the Facebook group. Or hit us on that on no that illustrious Twitter there's Twitter a, account that we there's have. a yeah there's a Wikipedia entry about it but yeah we're not gonna spend much time just reciting passages off of Wikipedia look into it yeah so the the, the next track is also uh, I believe it's also a John pick and uh, I will let you take it away yeah pull it up and you you, you know that Chad. Chad drum drum beat when that, that, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess I guess it's a piccolo snare that gets that yeah, that pop. That real poppy. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, yeah, HFS, I actually met Chad Sexton, is that what his name is? Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, I got him to sign my HFS ticket through the fence one year at HF Festival. Now this was before you were known for uh, jumping over fences on the porta potties to get in the festival. Oh yes, it was pre. Yeah, I, I was still a fairly mild mannered youngin. You kind of Benjamin buttoned that whole uh, sneaking into concerts because I think you that festival we were well into our thirties when you when you snuck into that festival. Which one are you talking about? Have I done this more than the, once? The fun fest. The fun fun fest. I snuck in that was year? It, was it was it Fun Fun Fest or was it the free show to see the Flaming Lips? Oh no, the, the Flaming Lips one, we're not going to talk about that. Oh yeah, that was the weirdest show I've ever been to. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I still have uh, weird acid flashbacks to that. Even <laughs> and though. I will say that it's, it's not, it wasn't like a weird like, oh wow, everyone's having a great time. It was weird because it was... Wayne, you made it weird. Yeah, yes, he had the, the translucent, uh, fluorescent baby and the octopus tentacles, and that shit was real strange. Yeah, it was not a not a good time to to do any sort of drugs. But what are we listening to, Jay? This is 311's "Don't Stay Home." Don't stay home. Yeah, this was an out. This is this is a, a good example of. I don't know that I ever had this CD, but the you know the the singles off this down, all mixed talking up. Talking over the talking over the, the drum the drum fill. Oh, sorry. Well, That's a, if you heard one Chad Sexton drum drum solo, you've heard them all. Yeah. Yeah, but this 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 song just written. I definitely had this recorded off the radio on a tape. It just it has just a a nostalgic kind of feeling for me. Yeah, the only, the only thing that I, I find, there's two things about 311. One is that a good friend of ours from, from back in the high school days loved 311 and I think became a drummer because of them. Mm. Uh, and uh, also the bass player was named Peanut. Oh, yeah. Peanut slapped that bass. <laughs> he did slap it. <laughs> slap it a bass. Um, yeah, I was, re- I was, when I was thinking back on it, I was pretty big into 311 too, but for some reason this wasn't. My album. I liked Homegrown before this, and then I liked the Transistor album after. Yeah. So, uh, so we're on to the next track here. And, yeah. Uh, I, moved, I moved. Should... It, I moved it up, so you got to pick. Yeah. So this this is by this is the song Peaches by the Presidents of the United States of America. 
uh, and this was added. You know, I can I can distinctly remember the first time ever hearing uh, the presidents was on HFS, and I think that's true for most of the bands that are on this list. Is definitely discovered them because of HFS. Yeah, and the presidents were. I didn't respect them as a band until I got much older. I thought they were kind of a goofy, kind of fun, fun thing when I was in eighth and ninth grade. And uh, it was definitely once I once I got into my mid twenties, I realized just how how kind of a cool little group they were. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think when I was playing music like in high school and stuff, I just never thought about them as like really awesome musicians. I just kind of thought they were a bit of a novelty band. But yeah listening back to it now yeah just weird weird you know their instruments were set up kind of strange with the the bass tar and the key key it was like a bass it was like a two yeah i i I still don't know exactly what they did i mean it it seemed like it was a four-string guitar with maybe some baritone bass strings on there and the bass was only maybe two strings and yeah they just had yeah yeah yeah, two-string bass and a and i I think you're right a four-string guitar that was strong with baritone strings so, just a weird, yeah, weird little, weird little goofy, uh, goofy setup, and, and it was, I think it was good because they didn't take themselves too seriously, so that, that was probably a good thing. Unless they took themselves so seriously. And this is, I think this is one of the, is this the freak out part? Look at out! <laughs> that's that's another thing uh john and i you, we, we talked a, a lot about things that you won't, you won't hear anymore and i think that that call out for the for the breakdown is, is a thing of the past mm-hmm. yeah i'm just enjoying this i'm just like, bobbing my head Forgetting that we're forgetting that we're on the on the podcast. Yeah, it's not a video pod. Thank goodness. Yeah. My dick's out and Well, speaking of your dick out. Oh <laughs> Topical. <laughs> you you kinda kill it with the segues and I don't know if it's organic or, or if it's completely unintentional. Jay, don't act like we didn't have like a three hour production meeting just to work on all the transitions. That is true. My legal pad is full of notes. So, what do you know about King Missile? I this song is the only thing I've ever known about him, except for that they had uh, one of the greatest album titles of, of any band. I think uh, I don't know any songs that are on that record, and this song is not even on that record. Uh, but they had a record by the name of Mystical Shit, which is a cool band, a cool record, record name. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were referring to the album that we're listening to. It's called Rhino High Five Colon King Missile. So he was high-fiving a rhino? No, it's a compilation album. It's one of the Spotify things. Or, I mean, maybe it was properly released on a CD. But yeah, this is all I know of them, too. And I, and I feel like I've looked into them before. I This was definitely an HFS staple. I wonder how regional of a hit this was. I don't know how many of our, our tracks on here could be considered regional. 
I think I think I remember seeing it also on 120 minutes at one point. I think they had a video. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I've been surprised to hear it referenced over the years, like listening to music shows. You know, somebody will bring up the band. I'm like, oh, I thought that was like our local band. But. No, I, I, it's got to have a cult following just because of the, of the subject matter and the type of song that it is. So I, I would imagine that it's one of those kind of inside joke songs that a lot of, a lot of different groups have. And this is another one too, like the presidents. Like listening back to this the other day, it's a pretty competent band. I just always thought this was a novelty, just kind of slack musician kind of thing, but. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty good track. It's not as unlistenable as it, as I remember it being, and I think it was probably because I was a shithead teenager who was just, why is he just talking through everything? I did, I did think re-listening though, I, I just cannot get on board with a detachable penis. I just, it would just be a lot more of a hassle than it's worth. Yeah, I wouldn't want one. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I just don't think he makes a strong argument for why. I mean, it's nice that you can take it off and wash it. Um, but yeah, you would just lose it a lot more. Uh, that would be just a big, big negative. Well, with my memory, I, yeah, I wouldn't. I would, I would go through three or four a week. You'd what? I would go through three or four a week <laughs> with my memory. Just because you're forgetful? Yeah. Where are my keys? Where's my penis? Where's my cell phone? Mm-hmm. So coming next is an, is another pick uh, that, that I believe John added, and but it is the Red Hot Chili Peppers with Soul to Squeeze. So we got to look up this song. We were talking off pod where this song uh, came from. I, I wanted to say it was the Conehead soundtrack. Well, it's definitely, uh, I think it was one of the first ones that weren't that typical, you know, real kind of uh, slappy bass from Flea and, and real lyrical type tunes that Anthony Kiedis had. This was more of like a, a, a accessible song, I guess, for people who weren't really into the heavier side. Yeah, it looks like, yeah, it was on the Conehead soundtrack July 20th, 93. Um, so it was after Blood Sugar Sex Magic. But, I mean, Under the Bridge kind of had the same, same kind of Hendrix-y, you know, low-key Hendrix-style vibe. Yeah. Wasn't so funky. But under the bridge, I gets into like that that bridge of under the bridge. I don't I don't remember this one. Though. The only thing I remember from this one having was like a really cool guitar part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Frusciante. Really, uh, he was very influential to me. Just learning guitar. And I do the one thing that I always remember with the Red Hot Chili Peppers was. 
Uh, when did when did Blood Sugar Sex Magic come out? I think it was ninety one. So ninety one. So I was eight years old uh, when that came out, and I remember sitting in the library of my elementary school, and a friend of mine had had the CD with him, and we thought it was pretty pretty risque stuff mm-hmm. because it said sex magic on it. Suck my kiss. It suck my kiss was something that you weren't allowed to talk about in the library too loudly. So um, one of those one of those bands that, that kind of got me got me the ears perked up just because I thought it was a little taboo. Did I talk to you about that um, that Hard Times article about uh, the Mandela effect with the Red Hot Chili Peppers? No. No, they they just put out one of it. I'm not super familiar with them, but I, they pop up on uh, Facebook. People link to the articles a lot, but but that the art the title of the article was the Mandela effect. Some people swear the Red Hot Chili Peppers released a decent album. Are you familiar with the Mandela effect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit. It's kind of like that uh, that movie. I think is it is it Shaq or Charles Barkley or oh was Shazam with Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also like the Berenstein Bears, yeah. But it just where there's like a collective portion of the population that remembers something happening that didn't actually happen. So, but yeah, there's just all these first-person testimonials. Like, I thought I remember Blood Sugar Sex Magic being awesome, but it turns out every song sucks. Well, I can see that. Yeah, they've really hurt their reputation in recent years. But um, one I will stand by, one, one Hot Minute is with Dave Navarro is like my, one of my favorite all-time albums. Definitely my favorite Chili Peppers. Yeah, that might have, One Hot Minute might have been the only Chili Peppers record that I've actually owned. Yeah, it had a coffee shop, my friends, airplane, aeroplane. Yeah, airplane, yeah. Well, that's cool, thanks for, uh, for adding it. Hmm? Thanks for adding it. Adding it? Adding it. Adding it. Uh, Alright. What's up next? Uh, you're you're keeping, keeping the party going, man, with, uh, with J-A-R by Green Day. Yeah, Jason Andrew Relva. I think that was a friend of the band, Green Day. And this is another soundtrack song. So we've deduced that uh, HFS existed as a promotional vehicle for the for Hollywood. Yep, they were in a in the pocket of big Hollywood. Was it? Uh, I think it was this past year that you and I had a little bit late night session listening to a lot of '90s music and ended up listening to almost the whole record of Duke. You know? Yeah. I don't want to talk about too loudly around certain people. Yeah, I they, they're right on that cusp of of, of uh, not being a guilty pleasure. I, I could really just slam my fist down and, and go to bat for them. Yeah, and I mean they also had they were one of the cooler bands that had some shtick to them. Uh, you know, like lighting the drums on fire and being you know, having the outfits, I guess. Uh, 
they always kind of dressed up the same way. And, but they all they could carry they could carry themselves pretty well as a punk band. Yeah. Um, do you know the song? Yes. Yeah, I just wonder how mainstream it was because yeah, it wasn't never ended up on an album, but I think it was in that Dookie era. It was off the Angus soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And do you remember Angus? I don't remember Angus. Was that that was about like the big kid, like the he was like a bigger kid. Yeah, I remember he, the cover. yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was like two kind of losery kids that were kind of always getting picked on. But yeah, there was like a heavy set kid and like the redhead. He was he was kind of a big actor in the '90s. I want to say he was like in Little Giants or something too. But he was one of those kind of kids that where are they now? But um, but it, one of the things that I always think about with Angus is I had cousins that were extras in the movies in, in the movie because it was filmed in Minnesota. Oh, don't you know? Don't you know? Yeah, so Kathy Bates was in it. Oh yes, she was the mom. Wow. Yep. She didn't. She managed to get out without breaking any legs. Yeah, and something that's given me a little bit of uh, newfound respect for them. I heard David Frick do one of his uh, post South by recap kind of things where he was talking about Green Day, and they had done like a secret show one year where they just played all Kink songs. So they're like huge, huge Kinks fans. Like, like they have like a side project. And uh, and then once I heard that, it started to make a little bit of sense. It's like, yeah, they're kind of like a like a new version of early Kinks, like the all day and all yeah. the night. And you really got me. Like they're just in that vein, but just kind of an updated pop punk version. Mm-hmm. So we can check uh, Kinks reference off the off the list. Talked about the Kinks. For, we got to talk about Brodsky. Yeah, we got to talk about Brodsky here in a minute, and then. Uh... And then jellyfish at some point. So, oh. Uh, oh, you hear that? Yep. You hear that that little bass line uh, of from the breeders on the song Cannonball. God, this uh, is a song was, I never get tired of. Well, it's got it's got a little something for everybody. It's got a good music video. You're talking about music videos in the last uh, episode true. with Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. This was uh, a video directed by Spike Jones. Mystic guitar parts. It's it's kind of a, a little bit of a sporadic song. I do hear some of those distortions. <laughs> Jay, would you say this is a reggae song? Would I say it's a reggae song? Isn't that the line that she just said? I think so. 
I want to say this one of the reggae, reggae song. song. Was she talking about this song? I don't know. This was off the album Last Splash. Yeah, Breeders, very self-referential. Is she saying reggae song there? I, I, I've just always assumed, but you know, you never know. Misheardlyrics.com. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this this song in and of itself is a good segue to the next tune. I'm not looking at it. What's the next song? Yeah. If you think uh, Tim Deal being a lady, and we all know that the, uh, what they say about the female of the species. Do you know the song? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. It's fun. And I and I and I, I typically troll. Uh, a lot of my feminist friends by sending them this this song <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so this this band is is space, and the the track is female of the species. And that's about all I know of it. Yeah, I know we're we're not gonna have a lot to talk about with this one, but this was just one that I I got the approval of my wife when I was going through the kind of master list that we that I created for this, so. She was like, what is this? It's kind of good. She's like into cake and uh, the eels. It kind of has that, or Beck. You know, it's kind of like, and that kind of like sort of hip-hoppy 90s kind of vibe. Yeah. What is it about uh, cake that, the band, that like every female I know loves that band? Ladies love cake. (laughs) Ladies do love cake. I just I, I was talking about it with another with a friend of mine a, a couple months ago and it was just we couldn't put our finger on like why somehow Kate figured out the formula. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to save them for the um, that modern rock template kind of thing. They they yeah. definitely they fit that criteria of like what what exactly did they put together what, what is it why is that sound like still kind of universal yeah and that that's actually a good point and, and also i think it might be good to know that this list is not exactly the 90s playlist that john and i would put together either if this one is, this is a most of these tracks are from the 90s but it's very particular to 99.1 hfs yeah yeah i, I that that was kind of my criteria we, we need to maybe try to get a little more on the same page with like what exactly we were thinking when we put together these kind of things but but my idea for it was just when I listen to these songs I think of the stereo that I was listening to like in my middle school high school bedroom or whatever and then the cassette tapes that I recorded off the radio we're waiting in uh, in the mall parking lot for the hex to open so we can get tickets to the HFS hex that's a callback and a half which I think Hex, Hex then turned into Macy's. And I yeah. don't even know if Macy's is, is still around or if that mall still exists. What, the St. Charles Town Center Mall? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that the mall itself is still there. I, I don't really know if it's being used for anything. <laughs> I just got a picture like this post-apocalyptic landscape. St. Charles Town Center Mall, just tumbleweeds blowing through the mall, nothing there. Just well, bums. So you just described Waldorf perfectly. Yeah, I really have not been back in forever. Well, we really talked that song to death. I, I really don't think there's anything else we could say about that song. I know. Well... It- Space probably owes us a few a few dollars here for because we we talked them up so well. Damn, this song is a rocker too, John. Well, yeah, just ask Ben Wyatt. I will after he's done explaining the rules of the game. What was it called? The, the like Dones of Cunchire or something? The of Destiny or something like that? <laughs> uh, oh, just, uh, just, just for the record, I'll be your whatever you want, the bong in this reggae song. Uh, the bong. So, okay. Yeah. So she wasn't talking about her song. No. Well, I mean, she That's says this reggae part. song, but... I don't know. Maybe the reggae song is just whatever situation she's in. Maybe it's a it's a an analogy. No, I'm sure it's a metaphor of some sort. Or and then, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not good with analogy, metaphor, differentiation. Obviously, do you, you do know the difference between a simile and a metaphor? I know the difference between a homophone and a homonym. I know the difference between analog and digital clocks. I wanna, I wanna, Wait for it. I want to I listen to this part. The comfort of a knowledge of a reservoir disguise of a seven 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 Not even gonna bother with it. Yeah, I'd rather know what that lyric is versus the bong of this reggae song. <laughs> because Kim Dio was just trying to rhyme song. Or work in bong to or I had this tape. Like the real tape? I mean, I didn't have the reel-to-reel tape that they actually recorded it on, but I, I bought the cas- ca- cassette tape. You have you had the masters. I had the masters for it, yeah. So when we open up our uh, reissue label, this will be the first thing that we press. Actually, that's not a bad idea for this whole playlist. Yeah, this was not a bad album overall. Like. A, no, not all these things I can say that I actually had the full albums, but another. Uh, and this is gonna make me sound like a total asshole. But, uh, the insane clown posse always made references to letters and letters to Cleo. Really? And like, and yeah, I've only heard like maybe six or seven insane clown posse songs in my life, and I think like fifty percent of them had a reference to letters to Cleo. 
strange. I think their their whole joke was that they had a crush on her. Um, can I take a pee break? Uh, yeah. Please. Yep. So we talked about the Flaming Lips earlier, and this is a Flaming Lips tune. Uh, she don't use jelly. And I, I think this might have been the first introduction to the Flaming Lips that I had as well. Yeah, me too, such for a sure. Hooky song. Like you just, I don't think I ever forgot the chorus thinks it goes she'll make you breakfast she'll make you toast but she don't use butter you know I may have been exposed cheese. to this on uh, Beverly Hills 90210 before HFS any of these do you remember the Flaming Lips playing the Peach Pit no <laughs> I'm sorry I don't Oh man, you're gonna have to go and, and that's that's not that. me. Seek... That's not me trying to be too cool uh, and say I didn't watch the 90210, but uh, I, I do not remember that. <laughs> no, it was like before the OC. Like it was like uh, they would have bands play the Peach Pit, like their little little diner that they hung out in. Yeah, I remember the I remember the Peach Pit. I mean, my I have an older sister, so she would watch that show all the time. Oh, so you're calling me old. Calling you a girl. I watched Melrose Place. Yeah, it's like, what a hook. I never got into this album, Transmissions from the Satellite Heart. Is that it? Sounds, sounds right. Yeah, that's right. It was, the last word was cut off. I, it didn't sound right, but nothing really sounds right when it comes to the flame lips. <laughs> the fuck are they talking about? So, they, so this song was in uh, was in nine or two one zero, and the fight song was in uh, what was that cartoon? Three South. Oh, I don't know. Funniest, the funniest cartoon to run for one one season on. On MTV? On MTV, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I ever saw that show, but I remember you guys were into it. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, I think this song is... Yeah, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't quite sound right, but it works somehow. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, the, I, I don't know if it was right after this, but... um. Zarika might have come in between, but the soft bulletin, I stand by that. That's definitely like a top def, top 50, maybe top 20 album for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Flaming Lips fan, as, as some people, uh, like our friend Ed, uh, who I think he's had every big moment of his life was had something to do with the Flaming Lips. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I can. They're another one who it took me until I was like 28 to just get over myself and, and actually just sit down and listen to a record. And they're also like another band like REM, where there are people that are all pre Soft Bulletin 
just said everything after that was shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I kind of picked up in the phase where a lot of people think they dropped off, so. I guess you could also say the same thing for uh, pre-Metallica Black album. Yep. <laughs> I know, yeah, my first Metallica album was Reload. Or Load, I guess. Yeah. It would have, yeah. well, maybe it was Reload. Unless you, yeah. I mean, I knew of the Black album with Enter Sandman and one, but. Well, we're already on to our next track, John, and it's uh, The Rentals, Friends of P. Which Are you down with P? I am. And so I can, well, then you're down with me. Well, that's great to know, and thank you. Thanks for the confirmation. Uh, I think I, the only thing... I thought this was a more regional song, because it wasn't until... Uh, like, I had met people at college who had never heard of it from other areas, but then I realized that I was just talking to people who were from kind of the sticks, so they didn't mm. have a major radio station. Well, you know it's it's Matt Sharp from Weezer? Yes, yeah, I did yeah. know that. Yeah, and I think it was on a major label, um, but yeah, this was this is one of those songs that, I mean, HFS would do that. They would just kind of find certain songs that you it made you feel like they were just kind of like a local band that they were just playing the hell out of but it was just kind of something that they really just clicked into and just championed it it was before clear channel and they could just really play whatever they wanted so if they loved a song they just played it yeah they had those uh you know kind of independent uh, program directors who were just who were real music fans and go out and find stuff and there's a there's kind of a school of thought that this was 95. What year did Pinkerton come out? Um, 97? 96, maybe? I didn't um, think it was that. Big. Yeah, because he, he left Weezer after after Pinkerton, so. And I, I really loved the first two Weezer albums with Matt Sharp on them. And Pinkerton was 96. 96, yeah. So this came out before Pinkerton, but it seems like he was kind of pulling away from the band, doing his own solo thing before then. He wanted to get a little weird. Well, it's got that, um, I always call it a, a micro chord, but just that, that synthesizer part that was, was kind of prevalent on that first, um, first Weezer. So, something interesting about, I, I was touching on a little bit, uh, I, you know, I never really... There. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was touching on it earlier, but I never really thought about how lucky we were to grow up with a station, a radio station like DC 101 or 99.1 HFS, uh, because of our proximity to the DC area. Mm-hmm. But uh, talking with people who lived in, in real rural areas that didn't have a station like that, they have. It was almost like. You know, we had the internet before the internet existed. Yeah. So it's kind of a, you know, that's like another just, it's a weird kind of thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately when I, when I talk to different people from like Central PA. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of far away from D.C., but as far as the, as the crow flies. As far as the signal goes. Yeah, 30 miles south. Yeah. So, um. 
Yeah, and and we talked about the HF Festival before. I don't know if we really fully explained exactly what that was, but it was just a one of those standard kind of radio station rock festivals. But they brought all those bands to town. You know, we got to see Stone Temple Pilots. We got to see Rage Against the Machine, Third Eye Blind, the Deftones. Yeah, Deftones. Three uh, Eleven. Yeah, I think any any band that was that was selling any sort of records in the 90s played at HF Festivals. And, and they start, oh, so uh, Violent Femmes, American Music is playing. Uh, and I think, I mean, I think they, they probably had their, was Blister in the Sun their biggest hit? Yeah. The biggest mainstream hit? And that was another one that was a little, little taboo subject matter. But yeah, speaking of, of you know the HF festival, it was I think if I remember correctly, they started as a one-day festival, uh, and then I think toward the end of the tenure there, they were they were moving on to the to the two or three-day model. That's kind of prevalent nowadays. But they were in like the yeah, middle of the city. Looking at their uh, yeah their most played tracks, yeah, Blister in the Sun definitely is way up there. But Added Up and Gone Daddy Gone were huge too. Yeah, this is another one that, that you know, you, you listen to it and you, go, you don't know why it works. And I, I feel that way with a lot of the Violent Femme stuff. Like, I, I, it was not anything like sonically that I was into, but I'd always start bobbing my head. Yeah, there was a lot of kind of unclassifiable kind of stuff that fell into this alternative rock uh, label. And just how, just how different some of these bands were is, is just kind of crazy that they were all in one radio station. Yeah, and, and typically played back to back, and then it's perfectly conceivable to think that you could have gone to an HF festival and saw everyone on this playlist at the same on the same day. Yeah, playing the same stage. And if you were lucky, you got to see Hoopastink. <laughs> Only if you were lucky. I think one of the, one of the HF festivals I remember most vividly was uh, Crystal Method was playing. And I think Rage played that year. Rage Against Machine played that year. And uh, Deftones as well. Uh, those were like the, the three three big bands. Uh, and then the one, be- they had one, they were usually held at uh, RFK, mm-hmm. uh, the, the old football stadium. Uh, and I think they did one at, at the Baltimore, at, at MT Bank, uh, yeah, MT Bank Stadium up in Baltimore. And it was, that was the hottest HF festival I, I think I remember, you know, as a, 15, 16 year old kid just sweating trying try to enjoy myself. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think everyone that I ever went to was at
So this is uh, no doubt uh, spider webs. Yeah, so I threw this on this one on last minute. Um, I just listening to it on the drive into work today. I just could not deny the power of this song in particular. But I think the album overall is pretty solid. Wait, were you listening to you were randomly listening to Tragic Kingdom? Well, I was listening to like the master list of all the HFS songs oh, okay, that I had okay. made however long ago, and this came on, and I was just like good headphones just hearing all the guitar work and the drummer's great the bass player's great and yeah Gwen Stefani's kind of a one of, one of a kind vocalist yeah I, I, I'm sorry I thought you I was like, yeah I was listening to this on the ride into work and I just couldn't I was like okay how did what made you put on Tragic Kingdom out of nowhere no I, I just started up the car and I said man today's kind of a Tragic Kingdom day no, they had, they had some hits. I mean, that that album itself probably had three three or four singles off of it. Man, it, it, it's one of those albums, like the... This is always my point of reference for this kind of thing, but like Maroon 5, where it's like they put out an album and they had singles that kept dropping every four, five, six months. And they basically wrote that album for like three years with singles. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Just a girl. Don't speak. Don't speak. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, Mister. I I think Excuse Me, Mister was a a single. Yeah. And Sunday morning was too. Yeah, Sunday morning. And then Hey You. I don't know about Hey You. What is that? It was according to Wiki. It was the seventh single from Tragic Kingdom. Oh, I see. I see. You're wikiing it. I'm just looking at the track listing, trying to go off memory. Yeah, the Spiderwebs was the second second single from the record. It peaked at number 11. And it's a pretty kind of like innovative concept for a, a song, too. Just like screaming phone calls. Yeah. Especially in uh, when, when did when did uh, Tragic Kingdom come out? 1995. 95. So yeah, I guess I have no no idea. I mean, there wasn't cell phones weren't around, so I guess it was old school call waiting. Yeah, I, I I think the video had like a whole kind of corded telephone kind of theme. I think I think the cords were all wrapped around her and stuff. Unless she was doing the whole listen to the voicemail to decide if you want to pick up or not. The, the, yeah, it might have been. Well, this is around. Caller IDs were around 95. No, I think you're right. There was, they were all very competent, competent musicians. And they put a good spin on, uh, on the scoff and... Yeah, I think they were. They had albums before this, I guess. I guess it's a little ignorant to say, but I don't actually know if this is their debut album. This is their third studio album. Ah, yeah, they had an album. 92 was their first album. 
Yeah, but I, they definitely started out because I think they're an Orange County band. They had ties to like Sublime, and um, yeah, they were definitely more of a straight ska band before this. Yeah, well, thank God they got away from that and went a little bit more, a little bit more rock. Speaking of more rock, <laughs> the the probably was this might be one of the least rocking songs that Lenny Kravitz did. Yeah, I know. But it's, I mean, it stands up. It stands up the test of time. And the, the, the track title is It Ain't Over Till It's Over. And this is actually going to uh, end out the HFS playlist. Say it ain't so. Which is quite apt, if you ask me. I didn't even do that on purpose, but you are right. Yeah, this is off the album Mama Said. Uh, from 91, early 90s. God, I thought this would have been more mid-90s, but early Lenny Kravitz. What can you say? I can say that the, uh, the music video for Are You Gonna Go My Way blew my mind with all those lights. If you remember, if you remember the music video, they're like playing in an arena. For sure. It's just light, light walls everywhere. Crazy. about wraps it up you have uh for this third episode of blk vinyl podcast uh which is a really compelling name i'm still still super (laughs) but you have anything else to add john before we uh sign off here i do not sir all right well uh join us again next week uh and uh if you have anything uh Keep playing music and keep listening and uh, keep sharing everything with your friends. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Later. Nailed it. Some